Happy New Year. Yes, once again, the Christian church is completely out of step with the secular world. Today happens to be the first day of the new year, according to the church calendar. For those of us who weren't totally aware that today is New Year's Day, according to the church, don't worry. It's not like it makes any sense that this would be the first day of the new year, of a new uh, year as the church together. It doesn't line up with the regular calendar that we've been following for centuries now. Yes, we're near the end of one year and the beginning of another one, but this today is not January 1st, day one of month one of our calendar. Today doesn't line up either with the winter solstice, which might be another obvious time to start a new year. That's still weeks away. It doesn't even line up with our own celebrations of new life in the church. Christmas, Easter, even Pentecost, each in their own way celebrate new life. But today isn't any one of those. To our credit as the church, we at least don't even pretend like the start of our new year has anything to do with newness. The main theme of essentially the entire first month of the year of the church is waiting. Waiting. We enter into each year anticipating our first great celebration of newness, Christmas. We all know it's coming. Kids were right on top. Sebastian had that right on top of it. We all know it's coming, but we have to wait for weeks before we celebrate. Why not begin with Christmas? The church calendar is all arranged by human beings anyway. It's not like God commanded that we have to have it this way. So why not open in the midst of a time of, or excuse me, so why do we open in the midst of a time of waiting? And this is where I do believe that the wisdom of the church reveals itself. We begin each year with a season of waiting because most of our life is a matter of waiting. We all live in the time in between. Christ has already come to earth as Jesus of Nazareth. And we know that Christ will come again to earth as the Bible says it, as the son of man. But we live in the time in between. And just as God's people waited for centuries for the coming of the Messiah or the Christ in Greek. We wait for the Christ to come again a second time. But it has been two millennia that we've been waiting already. It's been two millennia since Jesus left our world. And we have no idea when Christ will return. 
And just as we open our church year awaiting the coming of Christmas, we live our entire lives awaiting the coming of Christ. So as we contemplate our scriptures for this morning, I believe that we can learn a great deal about waiting for the coming of Christ from the way that we wait for the coming of Christmas. This morning, we actually are beginning a, a new series, sermon series, on the good news of Jesus Christ record, as recorded in Matthew. And this will take us from this Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, until a little bit after Easter. Coincidentally, uh, I didn't plan this, but I realized that uh, the Protestant um, lectionary uh, is also, which is a prescribed scripture reading uh, for any Protestant church that want to follow the, the church calendar. Um, the, the scripture that they're, the gospel that they're using for their gospel reading each Sunday is also the gospel according to Matthew. And so we will actually be following the common lectionary Sunday by Sunday, at least through Easter which is part of the reason why this morning's scripture might sound a little odd to start with. Even though we are starting this new series on Matthew and we're starting the buildup to the celebration of the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus, our main scripture this morning starts well through the story of Jesus's life with words from the adult Jesus himself. And Jesus is talking about when he will come back to earth. This is not where I would typically start, either for Advent or a series on Jesus's life. I'd start at the beginning. However, again, following the wisdom of the church, starting at this point does make sense. We have all been born well along through the story. Not just the story of the Christian faith, but the story of humanity. Jesus himself has already come and gone. The next great event, according to the Bible, will be the second coming of the Christ to earth. The emphasis then from this morning's scripture from Jesus himself is the same as the emphasis of our Advent season, waiting for the big event. The major difference between the two is we have no idea when Christ will come again. With Advent and Christmas, we know exactly when Christmas will be. December 25th. It's easier to know when Christmas is going to be than it is Easter. It's always December 25th. But as for when Christ will come again, we hear no one knows about the day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son. Jesus is saying he even doesn't know, at least in his life as Jesus of Nazareth, what day it will be. He tells that little mini parable, two men will be working in the field on a 
normal day, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be working. One will be taken, one will be left. And then he tells that parable at the very end. But if the homeowner, the owner of the house, had known at what time the night of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and wouldn't have allowed his home to be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So we don't know when it will be. And to make matters even more difficult, there won't be any warning. Again, everything else will seem like it's just a normal day. People will be working at their everyday jobs, just like the two men and the two women in that little parable. It will be just as it is every other day in the world. We hear Jesus talking about the days of Noah. In the, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage right up until the day that Noah entered the ark and the calamity came. Dale Bruner, um, who I will be quoting often through this series, he was a former professor at Whitworth University in Spokane, really fantastic uh, Bible scholar. He writes about this particular passage. One of the most surprising facts in Jesus's end time teaching is that the last times will be normal. According to our passage, there will be parties, gourmet meals, courtships, and weddings right up until the cataclysmic coming of the Son of Man. Now, we all know that Christian extremists have used this passage and others like it, uh, misused it for centuries. They've used Jesus's words to be ready to make radical changes in their own lives or force them on the lives of others. But the fact that Jesus specifically points out that similar people doing the exact same job will have different outcomes lets us know that being ready is not about quitting work as a bartender to go be a missionary in China or about building a bunker in the woods and packing it with canned food and ammunition. Jesus' call to keep watch and to be ready has far more to do with what we hear about from Isaiah and Paul. As I said with the, the kids in the children's message, that vision that Isaiah has of the time that will be someday is beautiful when all people will flood to the, the mountain of God and, and learn from God and walk in, in the ways of God and people will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. That's this beautiful vision that, that Isaiah is given of someday. But then he says, come now, O house of Jacob. You, here and now, let us walk in the light of the Lord, in the light of that vision. Let it inform today. Similarly, 
Paul says in that New Testament passage, and I like the way um, Eugene Peterson translates it, makes it uh, very earthy. Make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all of your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off oblivious to God. Again, in your day-by-day, don't forget the bigger picture. The night is about over. The dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on salvation. We can't afford to waste a minute with frivolous things and indulgence and sleeping around and dissipation and uh, bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed, get dressed, get dressed with Christ and be up and about. Each of these scriptures and Jesus's, in Jesus' own words, uh, in each of these scriptures and in Jesus' own words, I believe that we are being encouraged to keep an eye out, keep an ear out for the eternal in the midst of the everyday. I had a friend in college um, who used to calm me down when I'd get really stressed out by sort of grabbing a hold of me and saying, in the light of eternity, what does this matter? And, and they were serious, like, in, in the light of eternity, think about the big picture. What does this matter? And it was actually very helpful. I also like Dale Brunner's comment about what Jesus is communicating to us. The sin of Noah's generation was not wedding parties. It was nonchalance about God. The evil here is immersion in the everyday without thoughts of the last day. And William Barclay adds, these verses are a warning never to become so immersed in time that we forget eternity. And that is one of the reasons why we gather every Sunday, week after week. We come together to remind ourselves that there is more to this life and this world than meets the eye. Our worship together is just a glimpse of what it will be in God's kingdom. Our brief gathering time around the Lord's table is just a small taste of the banquet that is to come in the kingdom of God. But beyond Sundays, Jesus encourages us to look for glimpses and tastes of the eternal in our everyday. For our kids growing up, one of the favorite traditions of Christmas time, the Advent season, was the Advent calendar. We have three kinds of Advent calendars. One has the big picture of the nativity scene with a cardboard backing and uh, 24 numbered uh, openings that are open one per day in, in, in accordance with their numbering. And behind the little flap, there's a picture and often a scripture verse that matches the picture. We had that kind. We had another kind that was almost identical to that, except behind the little numbered flaps 
each day was a piece of chocolate. We had to get one for each kid uh, for that one. The other one they would share, but the chocolate one they had to have each their own, and I would usually buy one too. Um, and then we, another kind was this quilted picture of an empty manger, and every morning the kids would pull out of a little pocket, little pouch, a figure that was to populate this, this uh, manger scene. So every day they'd take one out and put it on. They, they, all the things had a little Velcro backing on them, and you could stick them on this, this picture. And then on Christmas Day, in that last number 25, they got to pull out the baby Jesus and put him in the crib um, because Christmas was finally here. These calendars gave the kids every day a little taste, literally, or a little glimpse, a little reminder of what we were building towards. And I think that that Advent calendar image is a a great image for us to be reminded of in terms of how we wait each day until Christ comes again. Every day we awake to life is like another opening of a window on the calendar. We don't know from where it will come that day, but if we attend to each day, there will be some taste or touch or sight or sound that will remind us that there is more to come than this mortal life and world that will remind us that Christ will come again and that all pain and suffering here will be lost in the joy and the beauty and the glory of God's presence. God will remind us each day that we awake to new life that the things that the world gives its heart and mind and actions to are not necessarily the same as those to whom God would have us give our heart and mind and actions. And that great unknown about what day it will happen, when Christ will come again, becomes a great anticipation. One day, we will awaken to life and think, eh, it's just going to be like any other day. And one day, it won't be. Thanks be to God.